0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast from Reverend Anna Flowers. Here's an opportunity to listen to our weekly message and find inspiration for your life. We hope that you enjoy it. So who here has ever said the phrase, I want to make time? Like, I want to make time for myself, or I want to make time for my family, or I need to make time for God. I think most of us have used that phrase before. I was reflecting, though, in preparing for this series over the past couple weeks, how insane that phrase is, right? That we are going to make time. It's absurd, and it's sort of a, a little boastful of us as well, because the only person who can make time is God. God created all of time, and God gives us time in the form of each and every day. We do not make time. But I understand why we use that phrase, myself included, why we want to use that phrase. Because we, our deepest desire within us is that somehow maybe we can make time in the sense that maybe we can make up for lost time. See, a lot of folks have heard this phrase what will you do with your one wild and precious life? And I love that question, right? What will you do with your one wild and precious life? Very few of us would answer load the dishwasher right? (laughs) Very few of us would answer, drive around in my car running errands to CVS. Very few of us would answer, sit in traffic on 95. And yet the reality is most of us are doing that with our one wild and precious life in one way, shape, or another. And so we desperately want to make time. Well, our series that we're starting today is, is a series that recognizes that sort of imbalance the fact that we yearn to be have lives of meaning, that we yearn to feel connected to god that we yearn for something more in this life and the fact that most of us spend a good chunk of our time in the daily habits of simply living life is sacred and precious and life is full of the mundane So, how do we make sense of that? And how do we bring meaning to our beautiful, precious, and maybe wild lives that we're leading? that's what is before us today and the next few weeks and today we're going to focus on one particular aspect that we do a lot of and that is driving around i did a facebook survey of our congregation in our all church facebook group if you're not in it we invite you whether you're joining us online from another place or whether you're here we invite you to be part of that community sometimes i do something like this i took a survey of you all in that facebook group of what do you spend your time on to sort of structure this And by and large, many people said driving is something that they spend so much time on. We all do, whether we have big commutes or not. Especially in this part of the country, we spend so much time driving around. Did you know that Boston is the most congested city in the entire country? Like way worse, you guys are like, no, we know, because we're sitting in that traffic, we know. You're telling me things I know. Yes, Boston is the most congested city in the country. In terms of the number of hours that people spend in congestion, not just commuting, but just the average number of hours that, you know when you're driving and, and your phone tells you it's like plus seven minutes and everything goes red on the line? If you add that up for an entire year, the people in the Boston area spend 149 hours in congestion every single year. That still floored me. I know because I'm sitting in that traffic sometime, but that still floored me. 149 hours of your life sitting in the car. And for many of us, that feels like wasted time. We want to make up for it over here because that feels like a waste of our precious lives. But here's the thing about driving around in our cars. And and I'm not going to tell you not to try to reduce your commute. That sounds like a great idea. But, But here's the thing. All of us are going to have to be in our cars at some point. We have to go from point A to point B in our lives, no matter what. And here's the thing about driving around in our cars. I think that the one thing that makes that experience so frustrating, spiritually and, and otherwise, is also the one thing that allows us to see potentially the spiritual underpinnings of that moment. And that is, when you are driving around in your car, when you have pulled out of the driveway and you're on the road, you are neither here nor there. That's the definition of driving around, right? You are neither here nor there. You are not at home. Home is one thing. You know how to be home. You know how to show up at home. You know how to find God at home. You know how to love your lovers at home. You know how to be at home. But you are not at home, and you are not wherever you are going, which maybe is work, which maybe is a friend's house, wherever you're going. You're not there. You are neither here nor there. You are in an in-between space. Now, theologians and other thought leaders have a special word for that in-between space. They call it liminal time, liminal time. And liminal time really means time that is neither here nor there, in-between time, a time where you are on the threshold of something, a time when you are not, you know, not yet, but no longer. And in our lives, we are in liminal time in so many ways, in ways that are much more profound than just driving around in our car. We are in liminal time when we are waiting on that big promotion at work, already planning what we're gonna do when we have that position. We are in liminal time when we are pregnant, waiting for that baby to be born, thinking about life after that birth. We are in liminal time when our relationships feel like they're changing around us, we're entering a new season of our marriage. We are in liminal time, even collectively, as a people. Many people feel like we are in liminal time as a country right now. We are not that, but we, we're not sure where we're going. We are in between. Many of us are in liminal time, even as we approach a death death of a family member, a death of a loved one. We know it's coming, but it's not here yet. We are in liminal time. And most of us don't really know what to do with liminal time. I know I'm one of those people that I, I'm such a forward looker. I'm always already there. I'm like already where I'm supposed to be going. I'm three or four years ahead. Our board members know this. They're like, holy cow. I'm already thinking about this renovation being done. I'm already thinking about what is coming next. Some of us go there. Some of us look back. Some of us stand in liminal time not knowing what to do and instead of going forward they look back Oh, remember when remember when it was like this remember when we were this way remember when the kids were little remember when you had that great job the hardest thing about liminal time is being in liminal time no matter what type of person we are, most of us tend to go forward or go back, but we, we struggle to stand in liminal time. But here's the thing. The Bible is also full of liminal time. Moses, in his little basket, sailing down the Nile River. Who will catch hold of him? His mother pushes him out into the river, not knowing What might happen, but hoping? Liminal time. The people Israel crossing through the Red Sea, stepping out into faith, not knowing if those waters will really part liminal time. And then, of course, the people wandering in the desert for not a little bit of time, but for 40 years. Liminal, liminal time. Mary pregnant with the baby Jesus. We are almost at Advent, we were going to be heading into another liminal time, but Mary pregnant with the hope and promise of the baby Jesus, liminal time, and the story we're heard today. Two B-list disciples, (laughs) ordinary, ones we've never heard of before, walking on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus, B-list town, doesn't show up anywhere else in scripture. Nobody really knows where it is because it could be many, many, many places. It means warm spring. There's many, many Emmauses across the Middle East. So regular old disciples go into a regular old place on a regular old road. This is the biblical equivalent of driving around. (laughs) There they are, ordinary folk doing ordinary things, going somewhere ordinary, and what are they doing? They're thinking about what just was. They're talking about Jesus and what happened. Their minds are on the past. I mean, mine would be too. A huge thing just happened. But who joins them on that road, in that moment? But Christ himself. But their minds were so, so elsewhere, so scattered, so thinking either behind or the uncertain ahead that they don't see him. They don't recognize the living God who is walking beside them in that moment. It wasn't until they do something else extremely ordinary, some of Christianity's most powerful symbols and power powerful um, representations of God are in the most ordinary things, the breaking of bread, the eating together. It was in that moment of communion that their eyes are opened. They recognize who had been with them on the road, Jesus himself. And then they have a little bit of a hindsight understanding they said we're not we're not our hearts burning there on the road to emmaus we're not our hearts burning we should have known but we weren't in that present moment in our own lives we are in many more profound ways than just driving around in liminal spaces and too often we don't see what God is doing in that present moment. I once heard a story of a woman who had for years and years and years been on the online dating struggle bus. <laughs> Which any, if anybody has tried online dating for years and years and years, you know that it can be so hard and she had been set up with her friend, by her friends, too. She had tried to meet people in bars. She had tried every old way to find love. And in so many ways, she felt like her life was on hold. She kept thinking, when am I going to find my, my person? When is my life going to begin? And this went on for years and years and years, waiting, 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 waiting for that love to come into her life so that she could start what she imagined would be her future. Kids, family, home in the suburbs, whatever it was, you name it, that was the destination, but she wasn't there yet. And then she got a diagnosis. She found out she had cancer. And it was heartbreaking and hard. And when she went to her first appointment she brought a friend with her to be with her, and that friend was nothing but love and support. And then at her next appointment, she brought another friend with her, and that friend was nothing but love and support. And then when she had to do chemo and radiation, she had all kinds of people whom she had in her life surrounding her, sitting beside her, telling jokes, making light of the situation, just loving on her. And one time she said to her doctor, you know, this might have been easier to go through if I had that special person in my life. And her doctor looked at her and said, can't you see it? You have about a dozen special people in your life. I've never seen somebody who has so much love and support on this journey. Eventually, this woman passed away. I only heard this story actually from a beautiful obituary that was written. But in that obituary that she wrote herself, she made a point to name the thing that she had once been blind to but was able to see at the very end of her all too short life. That God had put more than enough love in her life that she was surrounded by everyone she needed in that precious precious time her life wasn't waiting to begin her life was in motion and it was a beautiful life she just didn't have the eyes to see it at the time many of us can resonate with that, maybe not in our personal lives, but we've all just lived through two and a half years of some really big liminal time. And for many of us, we we got accustomed to, to saying that the pandemic put life on hold. A lot of us thought that, you know, the pandemic put life on hold, in some ways it did. We, we held back on weddings, we held back on funerals, we held back on so much. But here's what I am noticing two and a half years later, is that the truth is, whether we like it or not, life never went on hold during the pandemic. We kept living And the more that we connect with people that we hadn't seen since the before times, and I'm experiencing this as your pastor too, the more that we connect deeply with the people we haven't seen in a long time, the more that truth becomes real, that life has happened. And so friends, I think that being able to live in liminal time is something that we can practice as a faith practice. Being able to stand and be present to love and to God, even when it feels like life is on hold, but knowing better that every moment on this earth is precious and sacred and part of our journey towards God. That takes practice. All right, so what does this have to do with me on 95? You know, what does this have to do with my daily commute? I have to get in the car tomorrow morning. What are you trying to tell me, Pastor Anna? Well, I think our daily commutes are opportunities to practice presence. They are opportunities to practice presence in a very low-stakes, liminal time, which is your commute. I'm not here to tell you that Jesus is going to be sitting right next to you in the passenger seat of your car, although I won't rule it out. You know, if you, if you feel the presence of God on your commute, more power to you. I, I invite you to do that. But a lot of times, those little moments of liminal times are ways that we can practice presence, knowing that there are higher stakes liminal times that we are in all the time. And we can practice being in the presence of God when we are driving around. So maybe that means that as we drive around, as we get into our car, we say a little prayer to ourselves and say, God, I'm about to enter this time of neither here nor there. Work through this for me. Reveal something to me. Open the eyes of my heart that I might see you in the smallest way so that when the stakes are higher, when the, when the opportunities are bigger, when things feel scarier, I know what to do. And then look around as you drive. Maybe you'll notice some of the beauty of the world around you. Maybe you'll notice all those other human beings who are driving in their cars with you too. Maybe you'll notice the quiet of your own heart. Maybe you'll take the opportunity to pray. Liminal time is never lost time, whether we like it or not. But it is an opportunity and an invitation to walk with God into whatever comes next. May it be so, and amen.